Hi, welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about doing nothing. Warren Buffett's long-term business partner, Charlie Munger, who incidentally will turn 100 in January next year, has famously said the big money is not in the buying and selling but the waiting. And really, the more the experience that I've accumulated with investing, the more I appreciate how sta- how true this statement is. And, and it's interesting that you know a lot of Australians fall into two camps. You know, either they're procrastinating beginning their investment journey, so they're always delaying sort of making investment decisions, or they're in a hurry to build wealth as fast as possible, and arguably are willing to take too high a risk to do so. Really, the aim is to sort of try and achieve a perfect balance between these two extremes. And you obviously must invest as much as necessary to achieve your goals and do that as soon as possible, as soon as it's safe to do so. But once you've done that, once you've made those investments, you've got to have the discipline and patience to let them do their thing. Some things just take time and just can't be rushed. I guess the last couple of years has certainly reminded us that returns are never linear. They're never straight line. In fact, they vary dramatically from year to year. And that's certainly been the case over the last uh, three or four, five years, really. Uh, In the short run, investment returns are really unpredictable. But over longer periods of time, such as decade or multi-decade periods, investment returns can become a lot more predictable because really the volatility evaporates over that period of time and cycles sort of even out. Uh, For example, uh, the property market uh, moves in two distinct cycles, as I've shown a chart previously, and of course the, the link is on the blog on the website, And those uh, cycles are either a flat cycle or a growth cycle. They're they're the two sort of distinct cycles that a a property market moves in. And for you to enjoy average returns, so your expected returns really, you must hold a property long enough so that you experience the same number of growth cycles as flat cycles. Uh, So if all you've experienced is a flat cycle, of course, your returns are going to be below average. And when we look at how returns even out over time, we can only turn to the property market for a perfect example of this. And when you look at the average median house price between Melbourne and Sydney and look at over a few periods of time, over the last year, it's down 11%. Over three years, it's positive 5.4. Over five years, it's positive 3.8, which is barely inflation. Uh, And over seven years, it's 5%. So really, over the last one to seven year period, it ranges from a negative 11% to a positive 5.4%. Very volatile. It shows it's very volatile over relatively short periods of time. Well, when you look over decade periods, uh, over 10 years, it's 7.1. Over 30 years, it's 7.1. Over 40 years, it's 7.5. So when you look at those longer periods of time, you can see that returns are actually very consistent and don't vary that much. Now, the the, um, period of time that I missed talking about was 20 years because I spoke about 10, 30 and 40 years. At 20 years, the uh, average return over that period of time, 5.4%. It's low mainly because Sydney over the last 20 years has experienced two flat cycles and only one growth cycle. So it's kind of the outlier, if you like. 
But even then, uh, if you even include that 20-year period, your returns range from a positive 5.4 to a positive 7.5. Again, it's a pretty tight range. But I think when you look at those returns, you're really looking at long-term 7%. And if you've held a, a property for you know, 10, 30, 40 years, uh, you, you're, you should expect to have enjoyed really good returns. Uh, and just as a, a side note, you know, five-year return of 3.8% from the property market, it's been a tumultuous sort of five years, but it really does show that property prices aren't particularly overcooked by historical standards. The point I'm trying to make is that you've got to have a lot of patience with most investments, but even in particular property. So let me give you a real life example. Uh, one of my clients purchased an investment grade property in Ashgrove, Brisbane in 2007. So quite some time ago for 555000 uh, Ashgrove is a great suburb and it is a really good property. The problem was that the Brisbane market didn't really grow much between 2011, only a few years after he purchased it, and 2018. So there wasn't a lot of growth in that market. Therefore, by 2019, almost 12 years later, the property was only worth 750000 So it's gone from 550000 uh, within 12 years to seven fifty, And it equates to a compounding annual growth rate of only 2.6%. Naturally, my client was concerned and really wanted to sell the property. Of course, I talked him out of doing that for the very reason of this podcast that we really need to have patience. Today, his property be worth about $1.15, maybe $1.2 million, probably actually in a decent market, $1.2. So over the first 12 years, the property only appreciated in value by $195,000. However, over the last four years, it's appreciated by $400,000. And I think it's a perfect example of how growth isn't linear, that you're not going to experience the same amount, particularly in dollar terms, of capital growth every year. And in fact, you could have to hold a property for more than a decade uh, and sometimes a lot more than a decade to really enjoy those gains. Now, the overall growth of his assets since 2007 is only 4.8%. So it still has underperformed and that's because of the timing when he bought it, which I'll come back to later. uh, And also the fact that he's had a a flat cycle uh, during his ownership period. Now, I have a high level of confidence that if my client retains this for another this property for another 10 years, which I'll definitely advise him to do, that the average growth rate since 2007, so since he purchased it, will eventually revert to the mean of around 7%. So that is, there's more growth to come from this asset. And it's a perfect example of how you must really um, persevere and hold assets, hold property assets in particular, for more than 20 years to really enjoy the full gains. So you've really got to know when to hold them and when to fold them, as Kenny Rogers would say in his famous song. Uh, For those that are old enough to really remember that song, I should probably point out. Uh, When it comes to successful investing, nine times out of 10, or maybe even 9.9 times out of 10, the best thing is to do nothing. Just wait, and once you've done that, wait even longer. However, sometimes investors push back on this fact. They're unhappy to do nothing. They feel like it's not being proactive, 
But this is really untrue. Exercising patience is something and it's a very important action that successful investors must take. Now, I understand that doing nothing can be really challenging. It's not always easy. It feels like you're accepting of substandard returns. So for example, after 12 years of owning a property, why should my client hang on to this? It hasn't delivered the returns that he expected. And you worry that if you do nothing, that you won't actually achieve your financial goals. Patience really is a skill uh, and it's something that needs to be learned over time. But really, successful investing in any asset class, but in particular property, is really summarised by two simple but not easy steps. The first step is make sure your investment is fundamentally sound. So, you know, evidence-based, low-cost, high-quality asset, etc., all the sort of stuff that I bang on about in this podcast. The second step is to hold that investment for many decades and do absolutely nothing. Again, very simple, not always easy to do, but if it was easy to do, everyone would be doing it, of course, and every and building wealth would be uh, really simple and very common. Okay, so what can you do if you don't want to have to wait for investment returns? Well, in short, buy into markets that are intrinsically undervalued. So therefore, you really need to consider past returns, most recent returns. If you're investing in a market that has recently experienced above average returns, then there's a risk that you're buying at the peak of the market and a flat cycle or even worse, a correction is just around the corner. So if I go back to my uh, example property that my client purchased in 2007, Uh, He purchased the right asset. It's a good asset in a good location. The problem was that uh, in in the six years leading up to when he purchased in 2007, so between 2001 and 2007, the median house value in Brisbane grew by an average of 15% compounding per annum. So really the problem was a timing issue with my client. No wonder he didn't experience much in the way of returns in that first 12 years because one, he bought after a, just after a growth cycle and two, he might have ended up buying at the peak of the market. So you have to be careful about these sorts of things. I mean, another real life current example is the NASDAQ, which is a US tech centric uh, share market that's traded in New York. It's returned over 22% compounding over the last 10 years. That's a 7.3 times return. Like you invest 100 grand uh, 10 years ago, it's now worth uh, $730,000. So be careful investing in the US tech sector today because surely that market will either experience mean reversion or two, won't deliver 22% compounding returns over the next 10 years, or at least it's highly unlikely. Therefore, to avoid waiting for good investment returns, you should invest in proven markets that have underperformed over the last five to 10 years using proven evidence-based methodologies. That is, invest in markets that are intrinsically undervalued, but never, ever do that at the cost of compromising the investment's underlying fundamentals. It's not about speculating, it's about investing, and investing is about achieving the highest return for lowest risk. But if you take this approach, uh, you'll most likely benefit from the trend of mean reversion and therefore uh, enjoy above average returns earlier on in your ownership period. 
Now, does that mean we have to be patient with all investments we hold? Well, no, there's one exception here. If your investment is not fundamentally sound, if it's not of a high quality, no amount of patience will help. No amount of waiting will help an asset like that. I've always said that there's never a bad time to buy a really good quality investment. You know, you should invest in good quality investments when the timing is right for you. You don't really need to worry so much about the market per se, you know, apart from what I've just discussed uh, today. But if that's true, then it's also true that there's really never a bad time to sell uh, a fundamentally unsound investment also. Now, of course, you don't want to give it away. You don't have to fire sell it. You want to be strategic about it. But if you do have a done investment that has been underperforming that you think is substandard, then you really need to do divest of it and move on. You don't need to do it this year and maybe not even next year, but really you should set yourself a period of, say, two to four years where you can divest of any underperforming investments, try and find the best market to do that in, but you don't want to be hanging on to them for the next 10 years. Patience is only necessary after you've established that your investment is fundamentally sound. Now, let me leave you with a Warren Buffett quote. Uh, Warren says that the stock market is a device for transferring money from the impatient to the patient. Uh, But I think this statement is true for all asset classes, including property. Invest well and then do nothing for many decades. Simple, but not always easy. Okay, that's it for me for this week. Uh, Next week's podcast is all about uh, 2023 financial year superannuation returns and a review of the major industry super funds, which I've got some uh, really interesting and I think insightful information to share. So hopefully you look out for that one. Okay, until next week, bye for now.